for Singapore students, organizing students to cultivate pride at North Division and Obama High Schools by improving the quality of life and learning at school and in the surrounding communities. Youth Rising Up are giving the appropriate tools to make change in a positive manner and collaborate with other youth groups and activists in the city of Milwaukee. Youth Rising Up works to make positive change in our community, addressing social justice issues for students, their families, and people of color face in the city of Milwaukee. Youth Rising Up is a leadership development, service learning, community service, and civic awareness youth group. Students give presentations, speak at schools and community events, lead and participate in social justice, art, field trips, and other activism. Welcome to Youthology, a student-led podcast for your listening entertainment. Today on Youthology, we will be talking to Lauren Cross, a social justice activist and student at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Lauren is a member of Freedom Row Socialist Organization and co-chair of Milwaukee Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression. Hello, I am Desire Lavender, a sophomore from North Division High School, a student activist, a member of Youth Rising Up, and our Black Students Union. Kamora, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Hello, I'm Kamora Caldwell, a sophomore from North Division High School and a student activist and also I am a member of Youth Rising Up and part of our Black Student Union at North. Hello, I am Mom. I am a sophomore from North Division High School, a student activist, a member of Youth Rising Up and our Student Hello, I'm Naomi, a sophomore from North Division Community High School, a student activist and a member of Youth Rising Up in our Black Student Union. Hello, I'm Dinasir, a freshman from Obama High School, a student activist, a member of Youth Rising Up in our Black Student Union. So then we'll pass it on to Daryl. Hello, I am Daryl, a freshman from North Division High School, a student activist, a member of Youth Rising Up in our Black Student Union. So we have Lauren here today with us, and we will be switching off during the interview. Feel free to take our questions in any direction you see necessary, or even ask us questions. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome, Lauren. We are so happy to have you here with us today. We know you from actions and protests that we have participated in with you, and many others that you have organized. So it makes sense to have you on the show since we are all allies. Could you tell us about a little bit about yourself, for example, where were you born, where you grew up, where did you go to school as a child, where are you going to college, and what major are you studying? Hello, it's good to see everybody today. And let's start with talking about, I'm actually, I actually wasn't born in Milwaukee, unfortunately. Um, I was born on a military base, Fort Bel- a place called Fort Belvoir, Virginia. As a military brat, my dad, he was in the army for uh, 30 plus years or something like that. I think a lot, a lot of my awareness um, about social justice issues came from like what he was dealing with in the army as a black man, as a U.S. soldier being exploited. So yeah, I was I was born there, and then uh, we moved to Milwaukee when I was about like eight or ten years old. Um, my parents got divorced, so my mom bought a house here in Milwaukee, and my dad um, kept a house in Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is like a, um, a little like micro community right outside of Charlotte, very country. So I would go there over the summers 
I had simultaneous like experience growing up in Milwaukee and Fayetteville. But I went to middle school at uh, Hartford University. Uh, Hartford University is by the lake. It's actually on UWM's campus. And then I went to high school at Rufus King. Now I go to UW Milwaukee for nursing. Uh, I'll be going back in in a couple weeks. Um, I still have a couple things to do before I go back. But um, I'm in my third year of, of nursing. Um, I originally started out as a pre-med, but I, I wanted something that combined more of like my morals and my ideas like as an activist. Um, not to say that doctors don't have like power and, and free will to you know participate in social movements. But I do feel there's a lot of stake, like, as as nurses, as especially black nurses in the city. I've done work under my mother um, for a long time. She was the president of the Black Nurses Association, the Milwaukee chapter of black nurses um, in Milwaukee for about a couple years. And I do know that as workers um, and as working class people, black people in the city hold a lot of stake uh, in the healthcare industry and in the um in serve in the service industry and so if they were they do not saying that they don't um, participate in things called like unions things to build worker power i feel like we um, have a lot of sway so i want to go back to school for nursing so that i can work to build union power at saint joe's um, i know that's it's a, a pearl on the north side and we need a lot more resources towards that hospital and I feel like a way to leverage those resources is to just just hold work say we're not going to work anymore until you give um, this hospital and the people that come to it the things that they need and I realized that that was really 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 important during COVID especially we saw with the data on statistics for you know, black black and brown people in the city um, not getting that much access to COVID testing and um, COVID remuneration like techniques because of like the city's historic um, history of you know racism, sexism, all of that that comes into light when we're talking about uh, public health issues. So yeah, that's why I want to go into nursing, uh, and I sh- should be pretty pretty much done in, in about a year or two. So. When you said like racism and sexism all have to come into play with a health issue, like could you like elaborate more on that? Sure. So speaking from one of my org's unity statements, capitalism is the enemy. And I'm sure a lot of you know about what capitalism is as a social system, but it's it's predicated on benefiting the few and not the many. And then that's that's where you get a lot of these ideological issues coming into play. Uh, like racism, it only benefits the few. Uh, like sexism, it only benefits the few. So when you have when you have a system that thrives off off this this dynamic, then you get you get a lot of issues that thrive off that dynamic as well. So and America itself was was founded upon like race racist, misogynistic like views, white supremacist views um, and ideals. So there's there's no way to eradicate that with the systems that we have currently like healthcare, um, like our economy without starting starting over. I want to move on to the next section of questions. So could you tell me how did growing up in Milwaukee affect you as an adult now? I feel like 
um, growing up in Milwaukee, or I, I feel like anyone in America that grew up in like a public education system got to know like, you know, um, things that were missing in their communities, things that like their communities needed to thrive like pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. that like class, class what I call class consciousness pretty quickly so I feel like that changed me um, I originally got my work started through causes for environmental justice uh, I didn't really talk about that but I used to be a part of a group called Youth Climate Action Team and that was where I first met some members of YRU growing up I used to live on Sherman Boulevard pretty close to Washington High School and we had issues with lead way before um flint we're hearing about the issues in flint michigan like i would i would run the bath and the water would just be dark brown and it would just be like kind of like a normal thing for my mom to tell me to wait until like it would run a a bit clearer and this obviously wasn't okay but because of like milwaukee's history with redlining segregation north side is like heavily populated and historically black it's it's um same for the South Side um, in historically like brown communities. Um, there's a concentrated number of like lead service lines in areas where they shouldn't be. So I was pretty early on aware of like environmental racism and that issue. I feel like Milwaukee changed me in that way. As far as I got a lot of my like knowledge and anger about health issues and all those predispositions for black and brown people in Milwaukee from my mom um, and how much she can complained about them and did work around that. I applaud the Milwaukee chapter of black nurses because they've done a lot of work um, for educating in the community. Um, I'm not I'm not so sure now. They kind of died off now, but maybe in the future they'll do more. So yeah, I, I think Milwaukee changed me in those ways. It still continues to change me. I still continue to learn from my elders here in the city and some people who are younger from me in the city younger than me in the city so so for a second there you spoke on environmental racism so have you ever experienced racism yourself as a black woman or as a student i don't think like as oppressed people um it's possible to like walk through walk through society or live your life in america especially without experiencing racism in its many forms. I myself have have dealt with it a lot. I I feel like my first experience with sort of like petty racism or like maybe people like expressing like racist beliefs is, I I think this goes for a lot of people who live in the inner city. Um, I did I did club volleyball, so I would I would have a lot of practices out in the suburbs where obviously like because of segregation and racism, a lot of white people from the suburbs um, didn't have that many, that much experience um, with black or brown people. And I would get into a lot of like arguments or um, disputes with like players and uh, their parents um, because of like backwards ideas that they they held. And that's just not that's just from learning from their parents, their parents learning from their parents, and not being reeducated. Mm. I have a bunch, um, especially in like the the organizing uh, world. Um, there's a lot, a lot of I want to say like predatory nonprofits who don't necessarily like understand the black experience. Can kind of like use 
um, and not like build relationships with organizers and just kind of like use them for platforms or like to have like I'm speak what I'm talking about is tokenism, um, just like picking picking black people to be the face of whatever org they have um, without actually like using their ideas or um, having them have like an actual seat at the table where they're discussing whatever they want to um, do. Not so much. I haven't experienced it in like areas where where it felt like I was like the majority there as far as like um, identity goes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I definitely uh, can agree with that. We a lot of people experience it, but of course we don't want anybody experience experience it. So you know, it's a good thing where when we get when we hear somebody say that they haven't experienced it to the max or to the extreme. But um, with that being said, I'm gonna pass the mic to um Kamara. Okay, hello again Lauren. My first question would be what groups are you involved in in and out of UWM? Sure. Um so first and foremost I'd say the group that I'm the most involved with um as a co chair is the Milwaukee Alliance Against Racism and Political Repression. Um so we're a chapter of the National Alliance and the National Alliance Against Racism and Political Repression was formed out of the free Angela Davis movement and Angela Davis uh, founded it as a sort of like thank you for all the many like campaigns that uh, Black Panther members and like activists all over the country did to get her free Um, and she she did that so that she could free other political prisoners and continue the work of anti-police brutality so that the original National Alliance, um, at, unfortunately, like died out due to COINTELPRO and a lot of efforts from the FBI to sort of like crack down on um, radical black and brown activists. But it was refounded in 2019. So Angela Davis and the original members who founded it, as well as me and some other um, activists in Milwaukee went with other organizers around the country to a conference at the Chicago Teachers Union building in Chicago. I think that was in 2019. Um, and that that was the refounding conference, sort of like their kickoff to create more chapters. So then we created MARPER um, at the height of the uh, uh, George Floyd uprisings in 2020. And that's what we've been Working on another group that I've been a part of is a Freedom Road Socialist Organization, and it's a it's an international group, but it does have its base here in Wisconsin as well. And the sort of like one of the points from the mission statement of that group is that capitalism is is our common enemy, and they're basically like we won't have any resolutions until that outcome are defeated, and. The political ideology of Frizzo or members of Frizzo are like Marxist Leninist communists. Um, and we are like following that radical tradition to sort of rebuild the Communist Party um, of the US. There used to be one in the US. Um, there still technically is one in the US, but it's it's run, run by um, people in the FBI. So it's not exactly safe for organizers or activists. But yeah, we, we want to build like an off authentic one, um, one that people, like it was um, in its height when Harry Haywood and all these other um, really like highlighted activists, Angela Davis, Isada, Shakur, Tupac, well they were all a part of it and carrying cards for this org. 
we want to create that what they had so that's the name of frizzo and what we do yeah okay thank you for that um my next question is like you already kind of explained it so i'm going to try to change it up so the question was can you learn is could you explain because i was actually interested in marxism or and or communism i don't know what that is but i really want to know okay so marxism uh there was this really smart um person i probably like pre-1900s um his name was Karl Marx and actually the like sort of like the theory or ideas that he came up with um he made in conjunction with his friend um by the name of Frederick Engels and sort of he has like this big book I mean he has multiple books but the main book that people know him by is, is called Das Kapital and in that book he um details like what capitalism is as as a system as an economic system but also what it is as like a like a social system um, and how that kind of bleeds into like everyone's how they live what they do um sort of like we're we're all we're all um sort of like the byproducts of capitalism like our anything that has to do with identity anything that has to do with like what class we're coming from the way you live and work has a lot to do with um, what you believe in in your ideologies that's where i get the that's where i got the idea that um working class people know a lot more about like what's needed in their communities and what's going on um in their neighborhoods than like ruling class people because they don't necessarily need that um to survive like i need what's in my immediate community right now so it would be beneficial for me to know like have a general sense of like what's going on people who come from like richer families or like richer walks of life don't necessarily need that they're they provide and like survive by themselves as individuals so he talks a lot about um that and individualism you don't have to read the whole book there's a there's been a bunch of like activists and writers since then who've paraphrased it really well that sort of like talk about it not in his words but yeah that's what marxism is um and then communism so the definition of communism um depends on and i i'll use ideology again so like or the definition of communism kind of depends on like what political belief you um undertake i'd say that um during like reagan's era um in the 80s there is a crackdown on like communism um back in world war 2 or 1 um there's a crackdown on like things that could be seen as like communism or you could report on on people who you thought as like were communists um, a lot a lot of activists and organizers who didn't necessarily like retain um a certain like ideology or political belief um just because they were black or browner or radical were labeled as communist and thrown in jail um for such so it started out with saying like you have to be aware of that um and i feel like every day i'm combating that within myself like communism a bad thing like stalin like killed all these people which one wasn't true there's a lot of people who who um were social leaders 
in the past um, that were very like revered and people loved them. MLK himself like identified as a socialist. So there are a lot of people who have like left leaning um, ideas that weren't weren't necessarily like had that label as like a communist or socialist. But communism, ideally, um, and we're speaking ideally because it's it's good when you're talking about politics to never um, come up with sort of like this utopia of an idea um, because things historically and materially don't always come out that way. But ideally, communism would be um, a political system um, based in like cooperatives where uh, workers would hold power over um, their systems and like resources. Right now, that's not exactly the case. Workers like sell their work um, to larger corporations or to um, capitalists or bourgeois people. Um, bourgeois is just word for like rich people or people who aren't working class. So yeah, and in essence, that, that's base. That's like a basic view of communism. Thank you very much for that. Very much gave me a very much clear view of what it is. But my last question before I pass it on to my dear friend Naomi would be, what is the most, how do people mistake communism? Like, what is the most common mistaken definition of it? Sure. I think I, to put it in like simple terms, I, I feel like the most common way that people mistake communism and McCarthy, that was the word I was thinking of. Um, if you look into that, there's like this, this huge period where people in education and the United States government like worked really hard to sort of like reframe the public's like ideas of like what what politics are and like political education is a lot of that unfortunately made people think of communism as um sort of what it is on the opposite end of the political um, spectrum and that's fascism where people don't necessarily like have a say in what's going on um in the society that they live in they don't take part in democracy communism at heart is very very democratic and we do like, there are socialist countries today, uh, Venezuela, China, New Zealand, Vietnam. Like, there's there's a bunch of socialist and communist countries alive today. I feel like uh, another big mistake is to kind of, like, crap on those countries for invading or doing doing terrorist things to the, to the U.S. when um, time and time again they um, that's been proven not to be there but like i don't i don't think of it as any fault to people um u.s propaganda works really hard to do that and to make even like something as like simple as socialism a bad thing so yeah i feel i feel like that's the biggest thing if you want to look into like later today like what fascism is that'll probably be way more familiar to you (laughs) than what um communism actually is so. Okay, okay. Thank you again, Lauren. Um, I'm going to pass it on to Naomi. There you go. Hello. Hi, Lauren. My first question to you is, we know you are an activist, so so why do you do this work, this type of community involvement, organizing? Sure. I think sort of like the dedication to it came from out of like the climate justice movement and, and being inspired by people that were my age. I'm not saying that um, other social justice movements don't have 
other individuals who are around my age but the youth climate movement was pretty inspiring um, because it was like younger people like mainly younger people leading and organizing i feel like we don't really see that that much um anymore in in other social justice movements um i feel like they kind of leave it on the older generations to do that um but i do think it's just as important to like carry on um, older generations work. About a week ago, we did a campaign to rename um, Lindbergh Park to um, Lucille Barron Park. And Lindbergh Park, um, Lindbergh has a lot of names and um, like city street names, building names um, across Wisconsin. Um, he was a he was a fighter pilot, but he was also um, a Nazi and was like in like closely worked with Hitler um, himself, got an award from like Hitler's secretary at the time, talked in Germany a lot about building a wall around Germany that would keep out black and brown people, and then um, held a position in the city in Milwaukee for a couple years. So I think we thought it would be worthy to rename the park to um, Lucille Barron, and she's a she's a matriarch of the original marker. Um, she's a bodyguard for Angela Davis, and she did a, a lot of work in the city. So I, I think it's cool to continue um, her work and others like hers' uh, work, and it's important. Um, I, th I feel like a lot of the stuff that we fight for today is exactly the same as it was 40, 50 years ago. So that's why I feel like it's important to make sure that the work is continued and that the work is completed. Wow, that's, that's very interesting. That leads me to my next question, which is, how long have you been doing organizing work? I was just talking about this the other day. I'm 20 now. So I've been doing work for actually like six or seven years, so not that not that long, but pretty early for most people who get into the work of like police crimes. I think as you guys seen like last year, it can feel like years within years doing organizing work. Twenty twenty felt like two years. So yeah, that's kinda weird to think about. Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah, I understand. I feel the same way. <laughs> um, Who are you fighting for? Most first and foremost, everyone in Milwaukee, everyone that comes from any time that I've like looked for resources or like reached out and taken um, things from the community. I hate when people say give back because it seems so light now. It's that's really important, giving and taking and continuing that cycle. I do it for victims of police brutality that often share like similar stories to me. Uh, I forgot to mention, um, I don't know if you guys know Kimberly Motley. Um, she's the attorney that's been doing a lot of the work um, around the D3 case, specifically Alvin Cole's case and representing the Cole family. She's my aunt and her husband back in 20... 10, I think he had an incident involving the police. My uncle is a victim of police brutality. He died before I was born. I have a, a lot of ties to that. I do it for them. I do it for families um, who similarly have not had justice. I do it for people who aren't necessarily able to organize, um, don't come from class backgrounds that give them the time to participate but are really supportive when we do come out and support them yeah i do, I do it for everyone i do it for the earth um i do it for things that the lyric says can't speak 
for themselves. That's how I do it for. So one of one of the things that one of the policies that Marper supports and that Angela Davis created was this piece of legislation called uh, CPAC or Civilian Police Accountability Council. And so how that is different than like something that we have in like Milwaukee. So in Milwaukee we have the Fire and Police Commission, and that is basically just like a board uh, a board of people who have run for office. Um, as well as people um, that work for the fire department that work and our heads of the police department that oversee qualms or problems, issues within the police and, and fire department. And I, I feel like that's a problem in itself when you have like people who are supposed to be correcting issues, um, correcting issues on themselves. I don't think that students get to grade their own papers, so why should police and, and fire, um, people who have like very big stakes in our communities um, be able to do that for themselves? So CPAC would be like that board, but it would be replaced with community members, people who should who have stake um, and should hold power over things that affect them. And uh, through that, we'd be able to do things like defunding the police, rerouting that money into like better public safety measures. Um, because right now, as it stands, like if we were to do something like that, the city, the Fire and Police Commission could go back like a year or two later and just like revise and undo all of that. And we wouldn't be able to do anything about it, um, except for, you know, file reports or grievances about it. Um, so something like CPAC would give us the reign and control over the things that go on in police. And if in the future, the if the community decides to make the decision, like something along the lines of like abolishing the police or strengthen uh, strengthening like public safety, um, we'd be able to do that safely and democratically through uh, CPAC. So. Penguin, what are your thoughts about COVID? Sure, I'd say that if we're just talking about, well, I, th I think in general we should talk about um, and take note of the fact that the U.S. or um, people in the federal government just over the course of the past year have just left like a half a million um, people, just like kind of left them to die without resources or uh, preventative measures. And that's not something that we've seen in other countries where they did better jobs of uh, preventing like a... Uh, public health crisis like that, um, it, could, it could have been prevented. Black and brown communities especially, um, indigenous communities especially, uh, suffered when they didn't necessarily need to. Yeah, I'm really disappointed about that. Um, I'm disappointed in Milwaukee, um, in Milwaukee County specifically, for not actually, that was one of the first campaigns that Marper did, um, was to reopen the Midtown Testing Center because they were planning on closing that and moving the moving um, the National Guard Testing Center to the South Side. Um, the South Side was having an outbreak as well, but it's it's important to have that as we were still having issues on the North Side. Um, so we did get that reopened, and yeah, I'm disappointed in the city for not giving enough access to health clinics or uh, education a lot of people don't know that there's there's still social distancing and like health measures you need to take even after uh, even after the vex uh, you take the vaccine um, so there's a lot of holes in public health that I'm I'm pretty upset about but it's always been lacking because again we talked about it, it operates in 
in systems of white supremacy and systems that are racist and that don't benefit people of color. Thank you for answering the question. I got the Pfizer vaccine. I'm also pretty upset about um, how corporations have kind of like not released the patent uh, for the vaccine. Uh, I feel like there a lot more people will have a lot more access um, if it were done that way, but it's whatever. Um, it's still being released. My mom got the vaccine, but she had COVID back in 2020 and she was hospitalized for it. So when she got the second dose, she was pretty sick. Um, but after that, she stabilized. I don't really have any um, qualms about it. I know that a lot of people of color have like some valid reasons as to why, given like medicine's history. We talk about like something like the Tuskegee syphilis study, where scientists unethically conducted the syphilis experiments on um, patients who didn't know like what they were being injected with. Time and time again, like medicine has failed black and brown people. Um, so that's understandable. I do think it's important to get vaccinated, though. I, I feel like um, medicine has come a long way. During COVID, um, I've seen it firsthand. My friend, my friend Kelly, um, she was actually one of the, the students who worked um, on the Pfizer vaccine at the Health Resource Center at Freighter. So I, I do have a lot of stake with like people who worked on the trials. I feel like Pfizer itself has, has done a lot to make sure that they've worked closely and talked with communities of color. Do you have any questions for us? Um, I'd be really interested to know like what you guys have been up to um, since I last saw you. I know I haven't had time to catch up. Um, you know, just speaking with people from different parts of the world, basically, because, you know, you can do a lot on Zoom and on the internet. So, yeah, that's basically all I've been doing. And, like, getting more knowledge about what I don't know and what I can bring to the table when I'm having conversations such as this. Uh, we've been doing a lot of planning to get Youthology podcast off the grounds and to get it out here in the community. Yeah, it's definitely a learning experience experience for everyone. Um, we do a lot of things and we also learn a lot of things. Take it away, Naomi. So we've been uh, having meetings about how to make our food um, our food better in a school building and how school will look like next school year and now uh, with COVID-19 being around. So yeah, pretty much during um, Black History Month, um, we did a lot of uh, virtual activities, of course. Um, a lot of people spoke to us. We met a lot of people. We uh, touched base. They touched base on many different things, not just, you know, Black Lives Matter, but also whether it's domestic violence, whether it's rape, whether it was many things. It was, it was a great experience for everyone. We learned a lot of stuff. Um, we even got very much motivated. Um, we had a couple sessions where it was a motivation session class type thing. Um, where we had to write down, you know, like, like five things. We had to speak into existence pretty much, you know, and it was, everything was great. So that's pretty much that. I just want to say before we close out, let's normalize black history every day. And thank you very much for joining us, Lauren. Thank you for your time. And we love to hear about people coming to get together for a better cause. Is there anything that you would like to add before we close out? Just like anything at all. But um, you guys can feel free to reach out to me. Um, we're going to be doing uh, some readings if you want to know more about like communism and Marxism. Rizzo, so I can, I can 
keep you guys updated or like look in my Facebook feed. I'll be posting those. Okay, thank you. And with that being said, I'm Kamora Caldwell. We have Naomi. I'm Genosa Walker. And this is the Youthology Podcast. Thank you for listening in. Remember to follow and subscribe to Youthology on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And a word from our sponsors. ACLU of Wisconsin is a nonprofit, nonpartisan, private organization with 16,000 members to support its efforts to defend the civil rights and liberties of all Wisconsin residents. For more on the ACLU of Wisconsin, visit aclu/wi.org and click on About Us to learn more and like them on Facebook or follow them on Twitter and Instagram. And also, with support from United Way and the Milwaukee Community Schools Partnership, where the goal is to transform schools into places where students, families, staff, and the surrounding community can work together to ensure every student is successful, like Milwaukee Community Schools Partnership on Facebook.